Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, there's a wonderful parallel between our first reading and our gospel for this week. The first reading is taken from the sixth chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah. Can I encourage everybody um, this week, take out your Bibles and open to Isaiah chapter 6, the very beginning of it. And you'll find this wonderful account of the call of the prophet Isaiah. The gospel is from the beginning of the fifth chapter of Luke, and it deals with something very uh, similar, namely the call of the first disciples of Jesus. So take out the Bibles when you have a chance. Look at Isaiah 6, Luke 5. Read those two stories together in a kind of prayerful way, because I think in many ways, the essential dynamics of the spiritual life are on display in these two stories. So let's listen first to Isaiah. He's sitting in the holy temple. And I love the fact that he remembers exactly when it was. He tells us the year King Uzziah died. There's something about very powerful spiritual experiences. Um, we don't forget them. They mark and define our lives. I've often spoken about uh, when I was a 14-year-old kid and first heard one of Aquinas' arguments for God's existence. I can tell you exactly where I was. I can tell you what year it was. I mean, I would say, oh, that's the year when Richard Nixon resigned from the presidency. It was 1974. But I remember it distinctly. So Isaiah does too. The year King Uzziah died, what happened? While well, he was praying in the temple. Suddenly, God broke into his life with tremendous power. Listen, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne with the train of his garment filling the temple. Now, I mean, what happened to Isaiah? He's giving us a, a, an account of a spiritual vision. Did he actually see something? I mean, maybe. I wouldn't rule that out. But it's typical of mystical language here he's using. It's highly charged symbolic language about a, a simultaneous sense of God's transcendence seated on a high and lofty throne and of God's imminence, the train of his garment filling the temple. I mean, I would say it was just this overwhelming sense of the reality of God, which goes beyond our categories of of imminence and transcendence of closeness and distance. It was a, it was a powerful experience of the unconditioned reality. But here's the point. We don't begin the spiritual life on our own. It's a basic principle, everybody. We don't begin the spiritual life on our own. It's not a matter of our accomplishments or moral achievements or spiritual exercises. Now, mind you, Isaiah is probably doing a kind of spiritual exercise. He's in the temple. He's, he's praying. But see, that in itself is not the key. That might have been a preparation. It, it might have it ordered his mind and his heart toward the experience. But what matters is that God breaks in. 
You know, one time I read a description, I love this, of prayer. Well, you know, if, if prayer can't compel God to act, what's the point of praying? And the answer is that you might be attentive and ready when he does break in. Isn't that good? That we, that's why we pray every day, you know, in season and out, when you're in a good mood, when you're in a bad mood, when you're feeling really spiritual and when you're not, because you don't know when God is going to break in, but you've got to be ready. But see, I would call this the invasion of grace. Grazia, you know, gift. It's a gift. It comes unbidden. It comes without our manipulating it. I'm loved even though I am unlovable. I am invited even though I don't deserve it, right? And this is true, friends, in the Bible of everyone that has an experience of God. It is Look, I, I'm not worthy of this. Yeah, yeah, I know, man, I know. It's not a question of your worthiness. It's a question of God's grace. God breaks into our experience. Okay, now, keep that in mind, Isaiah. Now let's go over to the gospel. We hear about Jesus by the shore of, of the Sea of Galilee, to preaching and so on. And then, without asking permission and without being invited, without any prompting whatsoever from the fishermen in question, Jesus gets into Simon's boat and begins to give orders. Now, the boat of a Galilean fisherman in the first century meant an awful lot to him. It was not just a means of transportation. It was his whole livelihood. It's like, it's like his shop. It's like his, his uh, place of business. What if someone just got into your car unbidden and began to tell you where to go? Well, I bet you'd be a pretty put off. This is now the New Testament version of the invasion of grace. I mean, Peter, without asking for this, I mean, he wasn't expecting some big change in his life, but Jesus enters his boat and begins to give orders. He tells Peter, and how John Paul II loved this, Duk in altum, go out into the deep water. See, an encounter with God, everybody, always leads us into deep water. See, most of us spend our lives uh, fussing around by the seashore. We're living in the shallows. Now, think even of the most accomplished people in the eyes of the world. But they're spending their lives, spiritually speaking, like little kids, playing with their, with their buckets in the sand and barely putting their feet into the water. See, but God doesn't want that for us. God wants to bring us into the depths. And so he breaks into Peter's life, the invasion of grace. He gets into his boat, and then he orders him, stop playing around. See, and I want everybody, listen to me now, hear that. That's, that's what Jesus always says to us when he breaks into our lives. Would you people please stop playing around in the shallows? I need you out in the deep. Now, because he's being difficult and <laughs> overbearing, no, because he wants us fully alive. Gloria Dei homo vivens, the glory of God as a human being fully alive. He doesn't want us like little children. He wants us out into the great adventure of the spiritual life. How beautiful that Peter protests. You know, he's an experienced fisherman. He knows these waters. He knows how to fish them. And he said, Lord, I mean, we've been at it all night, but okay, and if you insist... It's a great moment, isn't it? Because we, we all experience this. Uh, the Lord breaks in, unbidden, 
invasion of grace, and he begins to to call us into deep water. And we'll probably all say some version of, you know, yeah, deep water. I mean, I, I've been trying all my life. I mean, I've been trying to find happiness, trying to find peace, trying to find spiritual meaning. And I found nothing. And that's the whole point. As long as you're trying, it's your business, it's your project, you're not going to get it. But the great moment is that Peter willingly cooperates with grace. And I'm using good Catholic language from the Council of Trent there. Does grace come first? Yes, of course it does. You never get the spiritual life underway with our own achievements. But once grace is broken through, God wants us cooperating with his love. How beautiful. He doesn't just just you know turn us into, into passive uh, puppets. No, no, he wants to awaken our minds and wills and bodies and energies and cooperation. And so, come on, Peter, let's go into the deep. And Peter says, okay, I will follow the promptings of grace. And off he goes. And then, beautifully, was he fine? He finds so many fish that his boat begins to sink, and then people come to help him, and their boat's starting to go under. Here's the point. When you surrender to Christ— you allow him to be Lord of your life. You, you give up your little silly game. Stop playing by the shore. Stop, you know, horsing around with your own little stupid projects. You let him get into your life. You let him command you. You're going to find so much life that it overwhelms you. And in fact, and in fact, attracts other people to take in some of the life that you've been given. Watch that, by the way, in the lives of all the saints that they start cooperating with grace and then life, life, life begins to come so abundantly that, that they get overwhelmed. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, let's keep going with the, with the gospel story. In the wake of this invasion of grace, in the wake of this explosion of life, Simon acknowledges his sin. Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Everybody, please notice. The acknowledgement of sin does not come at the beginning. It's not the prerequisite for grace. Like, until you say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you grace. That's not the way it works. Rather, the confession of sin is the consequence of the invasion of grace. In the light of Christ and the life that he brings, Peter sees his own deep inadequacies. Good, good. That's the healthy way it ought to work. When you're in the light, you see the smudges on the window. When you compare the life you're leading to the one that Christ is giving you, of course you acknowledge your sinfulness. Now, let's go back to Isaiah for a second. Exact parallel. We find the same thing. Having experienced the breakthrough of grace, having seen the Lord in his glory, what does Isaiah say? Woe to me, I am doomed, for I am a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. Again, it doesn't come at the beginning, but follows as a result. You know, I often came across this phenomenon in my dealings with seminarians. So a lot of my priesthood, I was a teacher in the seminary, then eventually rector. This happened almost all the time. Is Once a young guy had heard the call and responded to it, it's good, grace, you know? I don't deserve this, but I've been given this call. But eventually, it always happened they became intensely aware of their unworthiness. You know, very often, by the way, 
um, right on the, on the eve of ordination. So a guy might go through the seminary very happily, and then right on the eve of ordination to diaconate or priesthood, he might be overwhelmed with a sense of his own unworthiness. And of course, the correct answer is, yes, of course you're unworthy. It was their version of, Lord, leave me. Look, I'm a sinful man. Or, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Good, good. That means grace has been shining in your life. I mean, one of the signs, you've heard me say this before, that our culture is off kilter is that we're so reluctant to admit our sinfulness. You know, everyone's a victim and everything, we're fine. Everything's just great with us. Well, that means that we're not standing in the light of grace, right? But now, I'll close with this. How does God deal with this acknowledgement of sin? He doesn't for a moment deny it. He, he doesn't say to, to, to Isaiah, oh, no, Isaiah, you're, you're great. You know, no, your lips are fine. He didn't say that. Nor does Jesus say to Peter, oh, yeah, no, Peter, I, everything's fine with you. No, no, it's sin is acknowledged, but then it is purified. So there's that wonderful image of the coal. The angel takes the coal, right? And then he purifies the lips of Isaiah. That's the cleansing process. The Lord says to Peter, Peter, get up. From now on, you'll be catching, you'll be catching men, right? Purifies sin. And then the last step in the spiritual order sends them on mission. So Isaiah, right after his lips have been cleansed, what does he say? Um, Here I am, Lord, send me. Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people, you know? So breakthrough of grace, number one. Acknowledgement of sin, sure. Step two. Step three, always the same. Go on mission. Go on mission. Now you go out to become an agent of grace for other people. There in a nutshell, everybody, is the spiritual life. Isaiah 6, Luke 5. Take a look at them, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.